0: In this episode of the Smart City Podcast, I interviewed self-confessed data addict, Adam Dennett. Adam is a Senior Lecturer of Smart Cities and Urban Analytics at the University College London, or UCL. According to Adam, the smart city space expands from brewing beer to the social impacts of new technology, with a foundation of open data and education. We discussed a large range of interesting topics, including UCL's Smart Cities Master's Degree, and where the UK ranks when it comes to Smart Cities. This episode is a bit longer than usual, but I hope you can keep on listening till the end as we discuss the social implications and the power storage opportunities of autonomous and electric vehicles. As always, I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it it's the smart city podcast whoa with smart city experts here we go connecting smart technology both big and small smart cities are making life better for all big data emerging trends self-driving cars and more the smart city podcast is what you're looking for Hey, Adam. How are you going tonight? Well, it's tonight my time. Um, Early morning, your time?
1: Uh, Winter's morning in London. uh, Yeah, it's good. It's not raining at least.
0: Oh, very nice. It's actually really, really warm here. So let's jump straight into it. i will start in the past and just want to get a bit of understanding about your background and um, what you are passionate about. Um,
1: in this space. Sure, okay. Um, so hi, uh, my name is Adam Dennett. Uh, I'm a senior lecturer in Urban Analytics at uh, University College London. Um, I'm a geographer by background, actually. I, I, I was a geography teacher for a little bit, and then I came back into into higher education, did a PhD, and uh, ended up sort of moving into this, this area of, 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 of I, mean, I mean, cities and of urban analytics and uh, data and uh, all of these sorts of things um so yeah i'm a geographer uh, initially i used to work a lot in migration that's where i sort of came into looking at big data sets um migration data sets are generally huge because they've got origins and destinations but migration uh sort of flows are very similar to flows of things like flows of traffic in cities and and, and those sorts of things Um, so yeah, that's that's my background. I, I, I've been at University College London for the last seven years. Um, and For the last four years, I've run what I think we think is the um, certainly in the UK, the first smart cities uh, degree in, in the UK. And I think we were certainly one of the, the first in the world. Um, so I work in a department called the Centre for Advanced Spatial Analysis, which is a small department um, in the Faculty of the Built Environment at UCL. Um, and we do, yeah, we do data analytics and we, and we do kind of, um, you know, computational methods for understanding people and processes in, in cities. And, that. um, and we were doing this stuff. We were founded in 1995 by, um, someone called Mike Batty, Professor Mike Batty. Um, Mike is one of the most sort of famous, um, urban sort of geographers, I guess. He, well, he, in some, sometimes he's, he describes himself as a geographer. Sometimes he's a planner. He, he just kind of, he does um quantitative computational sort of understanding of cities and Mike founded the department and for twenty odd years um we were just- re- doing research on on cities and on you know understanding how cities operate and uh, work and that sort of stuff um and a few years ago um we decided to kind of put everything we do in in, in the sort of research side of things and, and start to Um, develop a a teaching program so probably about six years ago we started our first master's degree um which is now called um spatial data science uh visualization um and then following on from that we then started a a degree in smart cities and urban analytics and really it was just drawing on all, all of the research that we do in the department and just training the next generation of um of kind of urban geographers and planners and uh and sort of refugee architects who want to get out of doing kind of building level stuff and want to move into doing sort of city level stuff um and, uh, and it's it's yeah it's, it's developed into a pretty successful degree i think we've got about 65 students on the smart cities course this year um and clearly there, there, there's an appetite for understanding um this this area and uh, and i come in well probably i would say that no one in the department would necessarily describe themselves as a smart cities expert which is quite interesting <laughs> Uh, other than Mike, we, we're not really smart city theorists, although what we do is we're, we're kind of very kind of hands on. We, we kind of do the sort of stuff that, um, that that people think about when they think of smart cities. So we, we kind of analyze data. We kind of make decisions uh, and recommendations um, based on what kind of you know, new data can tell us about cities. And, you know, it, teaching on the on the degree, we have mathematicians, we have physicists, we've got computer scientists, we've got um, planners, geographers. A big, big diverse range of people from different backgrounds, but we all have in common, I think, that, that we're interested in cities and we're interested in how we can use data and how we can use new technology to, to better kind of understand cities and to, to, to make cities work better for the people that live there. So, so that's sort of where we're coming from, um, at UCL, I guess. And that's sort of how I've sort of slipped into, into this. I'm, I'm a geographer who does data, but, um, you know, the, this, this kind of fits quite neatly into the sort of smart cities. Um, uh, sphere, I guess.
0: Yeah, cool. Um, So was there anything in particular that sparked your interest in smart cities particularly? I know you spoke a little bit about using um, data uh, to plan for a city and that kind of thing. Is that what really draws your interest in this kind of smart city space? Yeah,
1: and I think I I could probably speak for a lot of the, um, the, 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 the academics in the department and say that we're all sort of data addicts, really. Like we, we love just, and I guess all academics generally just like finding stuff out. Um, and if you can get hold of a new data set on something and discover something about the city, um, that's really cool. And if you can make a nice visualization out of it or show something that, 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 that no one's shown before, um, that's what I, I think probably drives most of us. We, we So, you know, for example, um, one of the early things that, that piece of the work that was done in the department was by a guy called ollie o'brien who um no longer works in the department actually but he still works at ucl um and ollie was a a big fan of um cycling um and uh in london probably seven or eight years ago the mayor launched a a cycle hire scheme which is you know there's now cycle hire schemes across most big cities in, in the world but london was I guess a relatively early adopter. Um, and one of the nice things that, that the, um, uh, that TFL Transport for London did when they, um, when they brought in the cycle hire scheme was they, they opened up the, the data <laughs> that was kind of, um, being produced the docking stations um, uh, across the city um, and they just put up an API and uh, they didn't know what anyone was going to do with the API but they said you know here's the data uh, have it for free you know do whatever you like with it and, uh, and Ollie being a sort of um, bit of a data magpie like a lot of people um, in the department got hold of the data and started visualizing it and, uh, and he, he started producing um, these very kind of um informative visualizations of how the, the the docking stations for the bikes in the city um changed in terms of their how many bikes they had over, over the course of the day so you, you would see for example in in the morning all of the bikes were located in in the docking stations uh in a, a sort of a ring a per, sort of around the the edge of the city center um and then people arrive for work and all of the bikes suddenly <laughs> kind of emptied from the from the periphery stations and just Filled up in the uh, in, in the, the docking stations right in the centre, and uh, and it was a great visualization. And it was like, wow, you know, you, you can take this data and and you can suddenly discover something about the, the ways in which people um, use a, a resource in the city uh, in, in a new way. Just by and that purely came from a from a sort of a data, you know, just being interested in sort of data perspective. And I think I, I'm the same. I mean, I have done a piece of work recently on um, brewing beer in the city.
0: Sounds interesting. Yeah. <laughs>
1: some interesting data on um from the in the uk there's a the um uh, there's an organization called companies house and they're they're, they run by the run by the government and they collect data on every business that runs in the entire country so i was able to just plunder their database because they've they've got an open um api and get data on when breweries came into existence in the city and and started to you know i i did the research mainly because i wanted to just Go and drink beer and use it as an excuse to, uh, you know, uh, sort of claim that it was doing work when in fact uh, I, I was having a nice time. But,
0: uh, Sounds great.
1: I, I think all of us. I just, you know, we, we, we find a new data set and uh, and we're quite lucky in London actually because there's a lot of good open data and, and and there's a few sort of central repositories from which we can kind of access data. The government is some Tim Berners Lee. I had, had a lunch with Gordon Brown many years ago, and Gordon Brown was, I don't know if he was Prime Minister or when he was Chancellor of the Exchequer, but they, um, they made a decision to open up government data in the UK. And, and it's been fantastic for people interested in this area, because you can find data on virtually everything, about cities, about people generally. Um, and we're all just, you know, we just like finding stuff out. We like discovering something new. Um, making a pretty picture of it, a map or a kind of, you know, data visualization or something like that. Um, and, uh, you know, it's nice kind of in, in academia, we can just kind of do this. We, we, we we can just do it for the sake of it being interesting. And then, you know, very often it then sort of feeds into we can start to influence policy and we can start to, um, you know, do, do these sorts of things. Or, you know, Ollie's cycle hire visualization, um, was picked up by Transport for London. And they started using it to redistribute bikes around the city. <laughs> so they they have these vans that where, where you have some docking stations, that get full up in the center and then they get empty at the edge. Um, they have these big vans that drive around and sort of take bikes from one part of the city and deposit them in a, in another part. And, uh, and they were using this as a, um, as a tool to help them run their, their, their system more efficiently. <laughs> and so it's interesting how sort of something that springs out of just interest can actually then sort of, Feed its way into you know policy and um, sort of operational management, if you
0: like. Yeah, no, so yeah, really interesting. I can see how the Department of Transport um, of London would find some real value in that, and something, I mean, relatively simple um, could really change the way that they operate that service um, and make it more effective for everyone. So, yeah, really interesting. (laughs) Um, are there any particular technologies that you've come across that you were really like interested in exploring, or is it more the the data behind the particular I don't know technology or enabler?
1: Yeah, it's that, um, a good question. Um, the, the, it, it seems that sort of the data is the, um, the bit that we're all interested in, but but often new technologies start to um, facilitate um, the generation of new data. So, um, things like, you know, cheap sense, we've got people in the department working on, um, sort of low powered, um, uh, sort of wifi networks, which run, um, and, and you can kind of hook up kind of very small kind of Raspberry Pi type computers to, to these things and start sensing, um, the, the sort of environment of, of, of the city. Um, I think this is all quite emerging stuff at the moment. So we're doing quite a lot of work over in the Olympic Park um, in the east of the city. Um, when it was built, they 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 intended it to be a sort of a um, almost like a smart cities showcase um, for, for the rest of the city. Um, and, uh, and and so they have you know sort of the whole whole area is sort of several hectares. Um, in the city, and um, it's it's all sort of fully networked. Um, and they have got people in the department starting to work on projects, trying to see how we can sort of take advantage of some of these um, uh, sort of low-powered sensors, which you know, detect sort of, you know, ambient sort of um, environmental conditions, be it temperature or humidity or uh, these sorts of things. Um, and then sort of match that up with, other data coming in from, um, so for example, the the Wi-Fi network in the park is quite useful for tracking the movements of people around um, the park. So every time you walk past a um, Wi-Fi um, access point, your phone, most people have smartphones these days, will be pinging that access point, sort of looking for for a signal, and uh, um, uh, you can actually kind of track people quite effectively um, around an area that, that's that's got Wi-Fi like this. And then you can start to sort of match this with things like the ambient temperature. So we've got PhD students at the moment looking at how people use the park differently under different sort of you know, weather conditions, different times of the year, different seasons. Um, and then the, the, the park management, um, authorities are, are then sort of thinking about, well, how, how can we, you know, potentially encourage people to, um, move around the park in a, um, in a way that's more conducive to, you know, crowd free, uh, walking or, you know, for example, if there's a football match on at the park, what can we do to try and, um, you know, make sure there's not kind of pinch points for the, the access points to the park and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, and, and I think sort of increasingly you're going to start to get these sorts of technologies being, being used, the, the, the sort of yeah data, um, that's just sort of created almost ambiently from, from just people existing and just living a sort of digital life that we can then start to. To, 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 to kind of uh, make management decisions about bits of the city, um, so I think that, that's going to be yeah uh, uh, an area of sort of increasing interest.
0: Yeah, let's um, let's talk about some of the things that you are working on at the moment.
1: Um, personally, um, not doing a whole lot of new research at the moment, but um, I do have. Um,
0: what about the uh, the masters? Let's talk about the master's and what that kind of involves and how that how that came to be about
1: yeah sure um yeah so, so the master's degree um it's i guess it's, it's quite a sort of heavily skills focused um degree um i'll say probably two-thirds of, of what we do is, is try and um give our students the skills that they would need to to kind of operate within a sort of a you know um new world of increasing kind of data and uh, sort of digital um, resources. So um, the the people that come to do our degree come from a huge range of backgrounds. But I think the thing that probably ties a lot of them together is that they have not necessarily come from um, computing or a sort of quantitative um, background. We have lots of urban planners, for example, coming to do the degree. Um, we, We have Lots of architects um, uh, coming to do the degree. We, we, we've got people from sort of sociology backgrounds, we have people with psychology degrees. With, you know, huge sort of diversity, um, and a, a lot of them are, are, you know, interested in this area, but sort of feel that they don't necessarily have the knowledge or the skills to be able to take advantage of you know the increasing volumes of data and technologies. So, so what we try and do is we we try and effectively give them a one year's crash course in in how to be someone who can operate in in, in this area um, and not just be kind of uh, caught up in in, in the sort of the the hype of smart cities. It's really understand what we can do and what we can't do with with, with what's out there. Um, So we teach people programming um, quite a lot, but it's all very much applied. We we have some computer scientists in the department, but, um, um, you know, we, we, we sort of, the, the computer science we do has a has, has a kind of an end purpose, which is really to try and you know, do stuff with the data about cities that, 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 that we get. Um, so yeah, so we we tend to find a lot of our students come in um, without any knowledge of how to program, and they leave the course being able to program in about three different languages and you know um, uh, apply these these skills to a whole range of different problems um, related to, to cities, and so. What we're increasingly trying to do now is when the students get to the, the sort of dissertation part uh, of the degree, we're, we're trying to hook students up with different organizations um, who have an interest in, in, in this, in this area, have problems that they want solving or perhaps data that, that they have collected, but don't necessarily um, know what to do with. <laughs> um, and so we're, we're trying to kind of then move from just a this sort of we've we skilled people up but it's it's the application of these skills which is absolutely crucial um for you know people are going to go off after they've done a degree and, and sort of work in a whole range of different um disciplines but um very often we find that our students go off and they become the sort of you know the the data and the programming expert in whatever kind of company or government department that, that, that they go on to work in um so you know for example in the last year or so we, we've have quite a fruitful partnership with, um, Westminster City Council. So Westminster is a London borough. Um, and uh, they've actually been quite sort of forward thinking, um, for, for a local authority and, and they, they, they have huge, they have a huge kind of data warehouse and data sort of repository of data sets that they have collected in partnership with, with, with other organizations that they work with. Um, and they 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 opened up the data to our students, and we had about sort of five or, or six students last year working closely with Westminster Council to try and understand um, some of their data and work on some of the problems that they had. So um, they, they, they had one particular area of interest last year where they were interested in the the impact of um, the new twenty four hour um, night tube, as it's called in London. So um, at the weekend now, there's probably about five of the London Underground. Tube lines run twenty-four hours. Um and what that's done is it's kind of it's opened up the center of the city to sort of become more of a sort of twenty-four hour um place to go and sort of visit and um, um and they were keen to understand what the impact of this new um uh night tube facility was on on the businesses in, in the um in the area and, and on things like antisocial behavior and all, all of that sort of stuff. Um so they had data on um Footfall in the center of the city, they had a number of sensors that were detecting people moving around um, the center of the city they, they had data on um, uh, alcohol licenses they had sort of a whole lot of other data sets on the, on the businesses sort of working in in, um, in the center of the city and they also had data on um, from Transport for London on the um, passenger volumes traveling on the tube and so we had students who were able to um, take a um cross section of data from when before the before the night tube was opened um and then afterwards and do some analysis looking at the um at the impact on the night tube and they found out some quite interesting things some areas saw very little change the ways in the, 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 the sort of the numbers of people visiting the area the times of day in which people were sort of frequenting bits of the city whereas on the other hand there are other bits sort of within the same sort of night tube catchment zone that sort that of, you know, very marked increase. And so they were, council were very interested in understanding this and then sort of thinking about, you know, what they might need to do in terms of um, employing more, you know, street cleanup teams and things like that, or, um, you know, understanding sort of the, the potential benefits to, to businesses and, you know, in relation to business rates and that sort of stuff. And we were able to, you know, from giving our students the, the, the skills that they required to... Make sense of these quite disparate data sets um, we were able to then hook them up with with people that had a real interest in understanding the city and, and how the city changes and how it's working and then you know make some uh, research observations um, that they then sort of took off and, um, uh, and and used so um it's quite nice that we as the course develops and as we've we're increasing the number of partnerships um Mercedes Benz or Daimler, which is the um, partner company this year, working on, we're, uh, yeah, we have sort of various other partnerships with, with commercial organizations, looking at things like um, housing. We, we had some projects that master students have worked on, looking at um, changing house prices in the, in the center of the city using kind of data sets from commercial property providers. We're looking at gentrification, you know, a huge range, sort of huge diversity of, of different areas. We've looked at, um, transport problems and, and, and sort of using data from from tfl on on the oyster card smart card sort of ticketing system in, in london um using that to to understand you know the impact of the tube train breaks down in, in, in one part of the system um what impact is that going to have on people's journeys using several billion rows of million rows of data from the smart cards um so yeah, a huge range of applications, and, and and our students sort of go off, um, and a lot of them sort of go off and sort of you know um, to cities around the world, um, using you know taking these skills with them, and, and sort of hopefully making a real um, impact on um, on the cities that they go to.
0: Yeah, right. Well, sounds really interesting. What do you think the foundations for this smart city are?
1: Um, I, I would say probably. More than anything, um, open data, I, I think, is an absolute must for, for smart cities. Um, and uh, I think this is is because the range of applications of you know, new data or new sensors or you know, these sorts of things are, are so huge that um, if it's all you know closed off and you know you have sort of kind of a city authority or an individual company or anyone like that, the, the if you if you close off your data, I think you're limiting the um, potential range of um, innovations that can occur from um, the data that you have. Um, very often, you, you might not even be fully aware of the you know, potential use of the data that you have. Um, and it might take you know just someone somewhere working in another field just to, to kind of look at your data and think, oh, well, you know, have they thought about doing this with it? Um, for, for an innovation to occur. So, so when, when you sort of think of the, a lot of the, 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 sort of things that people may associate with, with, with sort of, um, smart city development. So, um, you probably have it in Australia as well, but City Mapper is a popular smartphone app, um, that people use in London and sort of certainly across a lot of other cities I've been to. And City Mapper is one of these, uh, it's, it's Android or iOS app that will, Allow you to um, navigate your way across the city using a variety of different sort of public transport um, methods of travel, so bus or train or you know um, underground metro or bike or you know whatever you whatever you want. Um, and those sorts of innovative apps that people would probably think of as a, as a useful smart city innovation. <laughs> you know, if you're traveling across the city, it's really handy to to figure out. You know, have something tell you you know which bus to get, which train to change. You know, all of these sorts of things. Um, they wouldn't be possible without open data. Um, and and so, I, so I think that underpins everything. Um, it's quite interesting because we have probably 50% of the students that take our course um, come from China. Um, and in China, they have a slightly sort of different approach to data in a lot of ways, uh, not as open as it is in, in, in some countries in the world. Um, and yeah, so, so you know the, the, the sorts of innovations that are possible where you have your data closed off, I, I, I think are more limited. So but I would say I think open data is probably the, um, one of the fundamental underpinning things. Then having people know what to do with that data is another thing that you know a central control center and you know a few people controlling what's going on in, in the city probably going to lead you to, to a bit of a sort of dead end if you're thinking about smart cities. I, I think smart cities need to be kind of um democratize i think it it needs to be you know as many people as possible being able to sort of take advantage of um uh, of data and to, to kind of innovate um and so therefore education and you know skilling up the the people who live in cities um is is, is i think quite key i mean i am doing bits of work at the moment with, with community groups in, in a couple of community groups in in London who um you know they have their own particular um Areas of interest. So, working with a group in Camden at the moment, who are interested in air pollution, and um, it's a big problem in, the, in in the boroughs, big problem across across the city. But um, they they've been collecting their own data on air pollution. They, they they've kind of invested in these, these little kind of little like test tubes, and you can kind of stick them up on a lamppost and they will kind of collect. Um, uh, particles from from the air and you sort of take them down and send them off to a lab and you can they've been creating their own data set on, on sort of very localized sort of air pollution in, in the borough but they don't have the, the capacity or necessarily the, the, the knowledge to know how to you know make sense of that data and so we're we're helping them by kind of opening up the data to our students and, and that sort of thing um but i think in, increasingly you know giving people the the tools to be able to um uh do things for themselves and and, and sort of you know, if if, they, if this Camden group were able to, to to process the data more effectively themselves, and kind of they could then use that to potentially pressure the borough council for perhaps putting in traffic restrictions down particular roads, if, if, if you know they can demonstrate, you know, with, with evidence that um, that air pollution is is a particular problem along a particular street, for example. So yeah, so, so so I think data and education sort of underpin smart cities. Yeah,
0: that's a really interesting spin to put on it. I think education definitely is a a fundamental part where do you think that the uk ranks when it comes to smart cities
1: um yeah we're we're okay um we're we're certainly not i don't think we're at the top of the pile quite often um there have been a sort of number of initiatives to to try and sort of um springboard um, sort of smart city technologies a bit more in in the uk but they've been a bit um piecemeal and, and, and isolated um so there's an organisation called the, the Future Cities Catapult. Um, they were sort of funded by the UK government to provide funding for a number of different sort of Kickstarter um, projects uh, across the country. Um, but it, it it's not been a, a sort of a wholesale um, sort of revolution across different cities. Um, Manchester, for example, um, I think is only now putting in a, a, a sort of a, um, a smart ticketing system for the, for the the transport in the city. I <laughs> mean, you know, we're in 2018 now um, and this this sort of technology has been available for a long time. I think last time I went to Manchester about uh, two years ago and I went to get on the bus. I was amazed that people were queuing <laughs> to get on the bus and paying with coins. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I had a similar yeah. experience in China.
1: <laughs> and he and sort of, you know, this, this is, this is crazy. You know, <laughs> the, the bus, uh, I got on the bus, I was sort of at the front of the queue and, and I then sat on the bus for 10 minutes while every passenger after me was counting out their change and sort of paying.
0: Bad.
1: And, uh, I, and I think the, I remember sort of at the time sort of thinking this, this is crazy and sort of doing a bit of like reading up on it. And, uh, and, and there were very, you know, that they'd been discussing bringing in, bringing in smart cards and stuff, um, quite some time in the city, but there, there was a sort of a, Paralysis amongst the the city authorities, I think, and they were, and they were sort of, you know, saying, oh, well, we we don't want to do the same as London, you know, that's obsolete technology and all of this sort of stuff, talking about the oyster carded (laughs) one. But at the same time, not doing anything in in, in Manchester. I think that they're finally starting to bring something in now, but it's, um, you know, it's it's a long way behind. in terms of the, the sort of data and these sorts of things, um, yeah, we're, we're not bad, you know, in terms of public data, it's okay, but I think it, it could be better. We, we still have to, you know, occasionally go through the sort of, um, um, used sort of legal instruments to get hold of data. So, so we have to put in sort of freedom of information requests sometimes to, to access data that, that we should be able to access. Um, and so we, we, we've, we've got a way to go, I think, but, um, yeah, we're, we're certainly not at the, um um at the top of the pile but we're 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 sort of not at the bottom either. Mm. Do
0: you think that the UK um is a good place to pilot smart technology? Um
1: yeah, yeah. I mean it, it's I think the problem often is in sort of um sort of scaling things up. Um so the, sort of things like the, the Olympic Park um in, in London are, are, you know they they're trying sort of lots of things over there. Um but well, I think it, it can take a while for, um, for sort of these experiments to come to fruition, um, for example, Intel, a company who had um, quite a large presence over at the Olympic Park, they had um, a research arm that were, that was tied in quite closely with, with a lot of the um, things that were going on over in, in the Olympic park. but just recently uh, they announced that they're closing down their research arm, which is interesting and you sort of wonder. Wonder why, um, um, that, well, they decided to pull the investment in, in that side of things. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's not bad. I mean, sometimes, you know, legislation can, can be prohibitive. Um, you know, things like, um, you know, using drones to deliver things. Um, Amazon, I know, a sort of trialing, um, using drones to, to deliver goods and that sort of stuff. Um, now, I, I know certainly the UK probably wouldn't be the best place to, to be trying to experiment with this sort of thing because there's, there's a lot of um, restrictive legislation to stop drones flying over you know, various parts of different cities. Um, so potentially some of the um, innovations that could occur in that area might, might be being slowed down um, by more um, restrictive legislation. So um, in some ways you, you might not be able to be as creative in somewhere like the UK,
0: um, yeah. So, do you think that um, in the UK particularly, there's better integration that's needed across the disciplines, like government, universities, industries, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think you can always um, you can always have more, more more kind of integration. I mean, I, I sit on the um, Smart Cities Advisory Board for Islington City or Borough Council. Um, Islington has done, done a pretty good job of bringing together, um, academics, industries, also sitting on the board are representatives from, from Microsoft, other sort of technology companies, uh, other local government representatives. Um, and so, so I think the, the intentions can be there. Um, but in, in the case of Islington, um, I think that they, they've been trying to kind of develop their, their smart city strategy over the last sort of 12 months um, but it can be very slow and uh, despite people sitting around the same table in the same room um, the time it takes to get from talking about these sorts of things to actual kind of implementation can be very little. Um, and I think sometimes the, the sort of the recommendations can take a little bit too long to, to to sort of work their way through into the um, into the real world I guess so yeah I, I, I don't know what the <laughs> I don't know what the solution to this sort of thing is I there can sometimes be you know, a bit of a sort of pullback to, to, to the kind of classic sit around the table in a, in a committee and talk about things and then everyone sort of be in agreement that this is a great idea, but then, you know, two years down the line, things things haven't changed much. Um, and I think that's the case in, for, for a lot of cities and for, for a lot of um, places in the world. And, and sometimes you just need sort of, um, you know, small-scale, private startup-type people to, to kind of, you know, just get on and do something, um, for, for the changes to, um, to start to take place, I think.
0: Hmm. Do you think that the UK can become leaders in the smart city space? I think we can.
1: Um, I I, 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 think sadly at the moment, um, the, the, the sort of, um, I think quite often you, you, need a sort of a central government, uh, sort of push for this sort of thing. So either, um, you know, it, it, you will need someone up quite high um saying that here's money to um to try and facilitate this. And then I think at the moment that the government's probably too preoccupied with dragging us out of Europe to to, to, to sort of worry um as much as they should be about you know just running the country is increasingly um you know going to be relying on new technologies and and, and that sort of stuff. Um and I think you know maybe the, the priorities within central government at the moment are a bit Misplaced, and I and I think the time that's wasted on taking us out of Europe um, could probably be better spent you know, thinking about how we could improve, you know, stuff that's going on currently.
0: Interesting perspective.
1: Yeah. Academic, so most academics are against it because we can see that the kind of the damage it's causing, sort of elsewhere. So,
0: so what do you think that the uh, um, what do you think the emerging trends that people aren't talking about? Um, what do you think those um,
1: are? Well, I think that. Probably the the thing that's gonna change most over the next 20 years, I think, um, is gonna be in and around transport. Driverless vehicles, electric vehicles. Um, I think that's gonna be a huge, huge change for cities. Um, You know, the the, the UK government has said that we're not gonna be selling petrol and diesel cars in 20 years time. And so everyone's gonna be driving electric or or hybrid vehicles probably. Um, i think in parallel with the um electric vehicles is is, is going to be the sort of autonomous vehicles um and cities are going to change a lot because of that so so i think the I mean you were talking yourself earlier about how you're sort of going to be your day job working to, to sort of prepare um sort of roads and, and things like that for, for for kind of driverless vehicles um i think that's going to be Change. um It's going to be a big change, probably more socially um, than technologically. I mean, the the, the amount of dro- jobs that are um, sort of currently tied up in cities, in and around driving, be it delivering stuff or de- you know moving people from A to B in taxis or, or buses or these sorts of things, um, is huge. Um, and I think certainly before I die, assuming that I live for another sort of twenty or thirty years at least. Um, it's going to be a huge change, um, in, in cities. Um, and so I, I don't think that we're, we're sort of fully preparing for this change yet. Um, and, uh, and I, I think it will probably creep up, um, on us. I mean, I, I think we'll probably in the next 10 years, we'll have, um, driverless cars will be very common within, within cities, driverless taxis, that sort of stuff. Um, but. With it sort of coupled with, 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 with kind of, um, electric vehicles, I, I, I think, um, the, the way in which we, because electricity consumption is going to go up hugely. Um, I, I've read things, um, some quite interesting things about sort of innovations in and around, um, the storage of, um, uh, renewable energy. So, so in the UK, we, we sort of benefit a lot from having a lot of coastline. Um, and we're getting increasing numbers of, um, offshore wind farms. Springing up around the coast, uh, which is fantastic. You know, this, this is you know we've got a huge amount of wind <laughs> that we can take advantage of. But of course, the wind is a bit sort of periodic. Uh, some days can be very windy. Some days can be much less windy. Um, so the the storage of the electricity generated by by these sorts of things is, is quite an interesting problem. And, and, I, and I've seen some companies working in and around using the batteries within electric vehicles as a kind of distributed. Um, Sort of battery in, in effect um so uh, sort of distributed energy storage solution so where we have when we have enough electric vehicles on the roads in the country we, we've effectively got a huge battery that we can use to, to kind of regulate the, the, the supply of energy around the system so when people park their cars up they can you know as well as recharge them they, they, they can use the batteries to, to maybe even out the kind of electricity um, so i think that that's going to be happening um, and, and certainly in 30 years, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we've got, you know, virtually, um, you know, complete kind of autonomy amongst sort of driving vehicles around, around cities. And these will all be electric and they'll all be hopefully powered on, um, renewable energy. And so that's going to be a huge change. And I think it's really going to affect, um, a lot of things in cities. Hopefully the air quality is going to improve, but we will have to think carefully about, um, you know, what are people going to do? <laughs> Um, who were previously employed in, you know, um, driving jobs. So taxi drivers, delivery drivers, that sort of thing. Um, and I think in parallel things like, you know, there's experiments in this country at the moment, um, in Scotland, um, in and around the, the, the sort of universal, um, basic income, um, idea. So, so everyone, regardless of who you are, gets a, you know, a basic level of income from the government. Uh, and, uh, and then that, that sort of potentially sort of frees up, um, uh, people, you know, fr- frees them from, from poverty, hopefully. <laughs> um, but it, it may also free them up to, to, to potentially be more innovative in, in terms of jobs. You know, if, if you've got a great idea, but you don't necessarily want to try it out because you're not sure if it's going to work and you, you won't have, you know, money to pay the bills. If you have a universal basic income, then that, that might well, you know, facilitate your, your kind of, um, uh, your, your kind of experimentation with your innovative ideas, sort of thing, um, and but the, you know this might well need to come in when we start. You know there'll be another wave of sort of you know, potential mass unemployment as, as um, electric vehicles start to you know um, predominate in, in, in cities. So you know lots of interesting interrelated things that, that, that are going to um, yeah they're going to start to happen in, in, in cities, and I think cities are the places where you know these things start um and they will you know start to filter down to you know the will be, be the big cities first and then it will start to filter down to to the smaller cities and um into the you know more rural areas as well eventually
0: yeah well wow. that's so much to think about um all the intricacies and the interrelatedness of everything um yeah once you start thinking about it it's just kind of like an endless web of things that um you know, the smart city space kind of captures. It's, it's really exciting. So my last question is, how do people, how can people connect with you? How do the people listening um, yeah, connect with you? Yeah,
1: very easily. They can, uh, they can send me an email. They can uh, follow me on Twitter. Uh, they, they can you know, visit our, um, our website at, at UCL. So, um, ucl.ac.uk forward slash, um, CASA. Um, and yeah, please do, you know, drop, drop me a line if you're interested and, um, you know, please come and, you know, if you, if you fancy learning a bit more, um, uh, uh, about sort of, uh, the skills you might need to, 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 operate, um, within a smart city environment, then, uh, by all means, uh, come and take our master's degree. Yeah. I
0: think <laughs> I need to come take the master's degree. Do you do it. No, unfortunately, we, we, we
1: can't do it remotely at the moment. So you'd need to come and spend a year in London, but, um, Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, that wouldn't be too hard, I suppose, either. Thanks so much, Adam. It was really, really great talking to you. It's the Smart City Podcast Whoa. Thanks so much for listening to the Smart City Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes can be found at thesmartcitypodcast.com. If you have any questions or comments for me or any of my guests, connect with me via email, zoe at thesmartcitypodcast.com or via the socials. I'm on Twitter and Facebook at Smart City Pod. As always, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. City Podcast is what you're looking for.